Hello, and welcome to the JewishBoston.com podcast. I'm your host, Jen, and this is... Hi, I'm Jesse. <laughs> we're here today with the Real Abilities Film Festival, and we're really excited to chat with them. We talked with them a little bit last year in 2016, so we're excited to have them back in 2017. Here we go. To the theme song. So we are here with Mara Bresnahan, who is the everything for the Real Abilities Film Festival. I think that's the best way to describe your role. Why don't you tell us a little bit of what your role is? Sure. Um, so I am I am the festival director, which is a little different than the artistic director because I I pick the films, I program, but then I sort of do all the outreach as well, which is a huge part of um, being the festival director. Uh, And I am supported by the Boston Jewish Film Fest staff, but a large part of what I do is basically I pick the whole film series, I put the brochure together, and then now that that's done, basically all my efforts go towards outreach. Um, And so that's sort of what I've been doing since we got the brochure moving forward. Um, We spoke with Mara last year on the JewishBoston.com podcast about real abilities, so we're really excited to hear everything that the 2017 Real Abilities Film Festival is offering because it's new and exciting and um, there's lots happening. So, I mean, I would say uh, for maybe the people who didn't listen to the last episode, we could talk a little bit about why the Real Abilities Film Festival exists and why what makes it different than these films being included in other kinds of film festivals. Sure. So it, it started in New York, um, and that's where the biggest fest is right right now. And then there's a Real Abilities in almost every major city. So it's just the scale of it is different in every city. And I just went to the New York one for the first time last weekend, so it was really cool to see how they do it. So it is a disability film festival, so it's all films that have a disability theme to them. So each film highlights a different disability, which is a different film festival than I've heard of pretty much anywhere. So that's sort of the niche that it fills. But what's cool about this year and what's cool about what's happening in general is that these films are mainstream now. These aren't films that you're just going to see at a disability film festival, which is, is, is good and bad for us because people can catch these films at the bigger film festivals. Like our opening night film, Life Animated, was at Sundance and has been at all the major film fests, um, was just nominated for an Oscar. So um, it's cool because disability is becoming part of the bigger conversation and really amazing films are coming out about people with disabilities. So you can catch our these films at different places, but this is an v- event where we have them all together in one program. When, when you say disabilities, I've, one of the questions I had was, obviously you're not choosing one disability over another, but I imagine there's a balance that you think about as far as the schedule goes, as far as like mental abilities versus physical abilities versus people who are making the films with different disabilities mm-hmm. versus what they're talking about. Could you, could you expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, we try and we try not to have, obviously we want to have just like not an all autism festival or an all physical disability. So I try and program it so there is an array of disabilities represented. So we do, we have films about autism, we have films about blindness, we have films about mental illness, which is becoming a big topic in the disability community. 
Um, and we have films about physical disabilities as well. And sometimes a film can represent multiple disabilities too. It doesn't have to be one film about one disability. So we try and cover, you know, as big as an array as we can while keeping the quality of the films really high. And that's, that's really important for me is just to make sure that people coming here know that these are going to be, these are beautiful, interesting films um, that, you know, so I feel like that I want it to feel like a real film festival event for them where we have discussions afterwards and they're not going to be disappointed when they come see one of these films. Where are these being um, selected from? Is there a pool of them through the real abilities more nationally or are you finding these independently? Where are you um, kind of curating all of these films it's, from? Yeah, so it's a mix. So I do get a list from National. Um, that So the films that I just saw in New York this year, I did program a couple of those films, and then I can choose some for next year. So I do get a film from New York, which is considered the National Real Abilities to Curate from. And then I also go after films that I see and hear about as well that I want to program, um, especially ones with a more local edge to them. Um, so that's sort of how I get the whole list together. But the films that come from national, I feel like are films that are a little more off people's radar, which is kind of cool because it's interesting to show people films that no one has even heard of before. So it's sort of, it's a mix of everything, um, that I do to get the program together. Awesome. Why don't we dive into a couple of the films that are showing for this year? I would love to kind of not all of them. That's a lot of films that are, <laughs> that's happening. Um, but let's hear about this life animated. You mentioned it's the opening night film and yeah. opening night this year is Wednesday, March 29th, um, at the museum of science. So that's a super cool venue in the first place. Super um, cool. Yeah. We, we'll um, about it. it's the first year we're doing opening there. We've typically done it at the bright lights theater, um, at Emerson, but last year was so good. Our open or our screening at the museum was so good that we decided to make our night our opening night there, and it was so cool to have a screening there because it's yeah. just like you're coming to the museum. It's after hours that just makes it even more special. And now we're gonna have a reception in the museum after. Um, and what's really cool about this screening is it's already selling like crazy. I shouldn't even be talking about it because <laughs> I mean it's fine, but um, but people are really excited and. Uh, I don't know if how much you guys know about this film, but it's a documentary. Um, it's based on a book that Ron Suskin wrote. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, and he wrote it about l- communicating with his son who has autism, and they begin communicating through Disney films. So his son um, is nonverbal by two, not talking at all, and is wa- only watching Disney movies. And then Ron Suskin starts talking to him in Disney characters, and his son starts responding. And that's how they begin to communicate, and it opens up the line of communication between them. And the film is really beautiful. I use the, the illustration shot. It's not animated, um, but these are illustrations. And Disney let them use their entire catalog, which is huge wow. for the film. Uh, and it, it just follows Owen, the son, being able to actually communicate outside of the Disney characters with his father and actually like, go on to live in sort of like an independent living situation. And his father, Ron, is going to be at the screening talking after, which is a pretty big deal because he's like heavily sought after right now. Um, so to have him there doing a Q&A and book signing is huge for us. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations on that. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. 
Um, it sounds like an incredible film to be seeing. So do you have a favorite film on this list? I do. I have a favorite film, and it's definitely the most obscure of all of them. It's uh, I caught it randomly on PBS about a year ago. It's called Rachel Is, and it's a film. It's a documentary that a, uh, a young woman made about her sister, Rachel, who has a cognitive disability. And it's about her transitioning out of school-based services and into adult services, which is a really big topic in the disability community now because basically you just sort of fall off a cliff of services at 22. And it follows her and her mom trying – the daughter – the sister and the daughter want she wants to live independently the mother wants that too and they cannot find anywhere for her they can't find a group home they try a shared living and they can't find a day pro you know it's sort of all the things that people go through who have children with disabilities and it's a really honest look at what that's like and i just i love it it's like a little 60 minute film and i feel like it's one of those things that i just caught and no one i know no not many people have seen so i think it's going to be really good we have um the director coming we have susan senator who's um, really big in the autism community. She's an author. And then we have a girl who's a self-advocate who's going to come and talk about her transition experience. So that's my little my little pet yeah. pet movie. But That's exciting that it's included. I'm like, that, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's always really fun when you find something that just catches your eye like that and you're able to incorporate it in. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one. Yeah. I, I'm excited that one of my favorite, I mean, I don't know how to phrase it, my favorite, like, disability sport is um, included in this, which is the basketball, the wheelchair basketball, which if to our listeners, if you've never like watched a clip of wheelchair basketball, I don't know what its official name is. It is intense. These people are running into the, running into each other. They are like, it is like rugby on wheels and basketball. It is yeah. crazy. And you have a, you have one on a, a Thursday, March 30th in Canton, which I don't know if I'll be able to get to, but I'm going to try uh, <laughs> called the rebound, which follows the, uh, the Miami heat wheels team. Which I'm guessing, do you know, like, do every does every NBA team have a uh, a wheels team to, as well, or is it just like some of them? No, I mean they're not they're not an NBA. They're just called they call themselves the Heat. And uh, the cool thing about this movie is that, which I didn't know, is that many of these athletes go on to get scholarships at Division One schools. And I didn't know how many colleges actually have wheelchair basketball teams. So that's that's a really cool part of the film. And they they follow the athletes through – they go into all their backstories about how they sort of are – how they ended up in wheelchairs and go into um, their life situations, which are pretty intense at sometimes. Um, but it's it's this is a very, very cool film. Like, it moves, moves super fast. Um, it's great for a younger audience. And this is the first time we're partnering at the um, Mass Hospital School, which is – I don't know if many people are familiar with it, but – um, the students live there until they're 22 and they actually go to school there. So it's students with multiple disabilities um, and they have a huge access rec program. So it's going to be it's going to be pretty cool. The Boston Blazers uh, wheelchair team is going to be there after and doing some demos as well. So, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. As a lover of basketball, you're watching, you're like, there's it's they're so athletic. Yeah, yeah. like it's... their upper body strength and the this the. I shouldn't talk about a picture on this, but the guy who's photoed in this uh, in the still in the brochure, he will just flip. I mean, he will flip over multiple times during a game. The whole wheelchair will flip over, um, and it's no. I mean, it's nothing for him. He just gets that right back so up. That sounds so terrifying. Yeah, I know. Oh um, my gosh! Wow, yeah, they're incredible athletes. So that's amazing. So the athletes that this is focused on are younger high school students, or they're college bound. They're so college all of bound. them okay. are trying to be. A lot of them are trying to get into school. Um, and they they do they get in. I didn't realize how many like I said colleges have 
So they get these scholar full scholarships to go play on these wheelchair basketball teams, which is really cool, I think, for younger kids to know who are in wheelchairs that this is something that there's an opportunity yeah. that's out there for them. That they can still like participate in this right. really And it's a way to get world. full scholarships to really good yeah. schools. So do you know how many did you ever look up how many colleges or universities nationwide I didn't but it was just fascinating to me how each one of them was going to a different school that right. was a great that's, school that had it that's amazing yeah. and I had no idea there were even scholarships or like programs yeah available for that that's really cool yeah are you googling this I am they have a they have a national tournament <laughs> yeah uh, by the way <laughs> yeah um I'm trying to see they have multiple leagues this might take some while take a while trying to do some quick googling yes. yeah, to yeah. find we'll, out the answer to we my will question. come we will come back to this <laughs> yeah I, I would like to talk about the Boston Marathon bombing film. We're approaching the four-year anniversary of it, and I think, I think there's some interesting. I imagine there are interesting stories to be told about people who were sort of at peak physical condition now, dealing with these uh, different reality of you know how they how they move and how they're able to do the things, you know, doing the things they could do, doing the things they can't do now. And um, do, do you want to talk about that a little? Yeah, bit? absolutely. Uh, this film it was an interesting choice for me to program because initially I thought. You know, this isn't when I when I had first seen the trailer for the film, you know, it didn't even occur to me that this could be a real abilities movie. But when I when I actually screened it, it really is about the rehab portion of, you know, their recovery of the survivors recovery. So it is like especially with Patrick and Jessica, who were both athletes who were running the marathon and then both become became injured and then following the arc of their story through uh, Patrick actually was able to run the marathon only about two years after his injury, and he he had a he had one um, amputation, he had one leg removed, and then Jessica actually ended up having to have both um, one I think below the knee, one above the knee amputation, and it, it the story of their they they end up actually having to go to Walter Reed and do recovery there because they can't get what they need here, and that and that's a place where they you know many of the soldiers who are over in Afghanistan and Iraq that's where they rehab. Yeah. So it was just a really interesting recovery story. And then when I when I spoke to them, I realized how connected they felt now to the disability community. So it sort of seemed to make sense to me to program this film but it's it's a really beautiful story of of recovery and re rehabilitation um but it's it's definitely i've had a hard time convincing people it's not the mark Wahlberg movie and right. that's been the biggest struggle as as everyone who has i don't know if the stills are the same or if that's just fresh in people's minds but every single person oh i've literally i have only seen a couple of people who don't think it's that movie and i can't really figure out why they would think i would program them the Mark yeah. Wahlberg movie, but a right. lot of people actually don't know re that real ability. I think is a you just film right. I think you, when you just hear Patriots Day, like right. you, you think, think the mul I mean, I literally just watched it this weekend. Oh, you actually watched it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, it's a movie. My mom yeah. wanted to see it, and she was in town visiting. But I think when you first see Patriots Day, and you know there's a large film out on it right now, and you know film festival, I don't know if everyone associates like film festival isn't going to be this like right. I don't know, whatever. But um, I had to like remind myself when I first read it. I was like, oh, it's not the same title. It's not the same thing because yeah. it's marathon colon <laughs> the Patriots bombing. Yeah, it's a little bit different. Um, I mean, I, but I understand yeah. word association. Yeah, yeah. And I, like that's where your head. And people go. have a lot of feeling. I mean, people have strong feelings about whether yeah. you should be showing any media on it, whether you should be talking about it, whether it's exploitive. Like, right? It's 
you know, it's a, it's definitely a risky topic and I, people have strong opinions on it. So, I mean, I think a documentary feels different to me than a, you know, Agreed. Uh, yeah. Hollywood drama. What would you won't get seeing Mark Wahlberg's Patriots Day is a, a panel discussion afterwards with uh, Patrick and Jessica. True. So right. I think it's everyone handles, you know, uh, things differently. Like I just, Coolidge Corner was throw, showing a documentary about the Oklahoma City bombing, which I was in seventh grade for at the time. And I thought it was weird that like, people outside of the state were talking about it. I mean, it was a national event, but like to me, it was very, it was very close. It was very local. And, and so I think everyone's going to handle these things differently. So I think, right. it's, I think it's worth talking about, especially you know, in a festival like this. Right. So. And the cool thing about the movie, it was produced by the Boston Globe, so it follows the journalists, too, who reported on it, which is a really interesting thread through of that. And then one of the photographers actually became really close with the mother and daughter. So it's just, it's just a really in-depth look at the people who really experienced this and sort of, like, how they went through it. And it is, I mean, it is heartbreaking in a lot of ways. I wouldn't sugarcoat it at all. Um, but the, the Globe Docs film series partnered with us as well. So they're helping get the word out, which is really cool. I think a question I always have is, so I, I understand the, I understand the goal of showing these films and having these panel, uh, these panel discussions. I'm wondering though, what you think about how the, how the conversation afterwards about, about inclusion and about these, uh, disabilities, you know, whether they are physical or mental, how is that conversation, how would you like the people seeing these movies to continue that conversation afterwards? For me, I think if it can, it doesn't even have to be a conversation that people are having, but if, if a perception is changed, that is huge for me. Because if that can change someone's attitudes or actions towards people with disabilities, that to me is like, that's the pinnacle of what I'm trying to do. So if people come, especially people who have no connection to the disability community, and it sounds really cliche, but I've actually had people come up to me and say, you know, I am not freaked out anymore by this type of person. Like, I, I you know, I really didn't realize that, that, that these are like people, you know, who have the same emotions that I do or are going through, you know, the same things I am or experiencing this way. And when I, when I see that happening and perceptions being shifted, that that's huge for me. And I do feel like, and, and beyond that, like, I just want people to see that there are that films with people, including people with disabilities, don't have to be scary or depressing or low quality. These are actually beautiful films. And the reason I didn't actually end up programming any feature non-documentary films is because none of them really stood up to the quality that I want to program. And, you know, also there's a huge debate in the disability community now is whether you should program films, feature films that have people playing a disability that they don't actually have and why people with disabilities aren't actually included into feature features or considered um, for roles. So, and I, we haven't taken a hard line on that, but I, when I'm watching films and I'm seeing someone act like they have cerebral palsy or act like they have a spinal cord injury, and I know there's plenty of actors who could have filled that role. It's a little tough pill to swallow to be programming them. So sorry, I just went off on a little tangent. No, I mean, no that's an like interesting thought. Yeah, like, I mean, yeah. I, I understand. I understand that from both issues. Yeah, I, I always sort of come down on the: is the person playing uh, the, the person with the disability? the draw for the movie like are they hiring that person so that people will come see it right then and then i'm sort of okay with it 
um, because like, you want people to see the story. So right, if, so that they have the conversation about this. Yeah, I mean, it's it, but it's hard though because there are there are actors and actresses who have these conditions who could do it. They might not be as big of a draw, but it, like depends on you know who you want to see it and you know right. how much. But yeah, and not. I mean, I know it really takes like to have a studio make a film. You have to have so you don't want the the conversation to be totally out of the equation. Yeah, if that's what it's going to take to have disability in the conversation, but. Um, or at least have start having actors with disabilities be part of movies and not necessarily be a part. It doesn't have to be about their disability. Just have them in the film. Be more present right. and like part of the society that's right. created. Which they are. Yeah. I mean, which right. you see all the time. You just don't see it represented films. in films. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So um, if I'm reading this correctly, you have 10 films this mm-hmm. year, right? How many did you have last year? Do you remember? We had... About 15. Okay. We, um, a, a chunk of that was we almost had a mini fest out in Springfield. So, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, I basically was like, you guys should start your own real abilities out in Western Mass. So, they did that. So, they had yes. their own real ability, mini real abilities in October. So, oh, very cool. Um, yeah. Did you help them like give a hand? In yeah. Programming? Yeah. Um, you know, I was like this, you know, sort of like guiding them along what to do, but it's fine for us. I mean, I think, you know, it's not like a competition for us, well, course, for, yeah. for audience. So I think it's cool if they want to start, if they want to do more films, it's great just to have more exposure for them. Definitely. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm curious about your, the partnership with the Boston Jewish Film Festival and sort of how they came to be and how, you know, and we, we are the JewishBoston.com podcast. So we obviously yeah. have a, have an angle. And I'm just curious about how, like, is it, is it that the Boston Jewish Film Festival just wanted a, they wanted to help in you know any way they could. Do are they the ones paying your salary? Or is it Real Abilities National it's, paying so your it's salary? the Jewish Film Festival. They fully sponsor Real Abilities, and and so it's the I mean it's the sponsors who sponsor <laughs> um, Jewish the Jewish Film Fest. But this we have Real Abilities has its own like the Ruderman family are our primary um, we know sponsorship. Them well. Yeah, for Real Abilities. So and then there's there's organizations who really just want to give to real abilities. So we have Peapod just came on board. There's different organizations who reach out to us and say this is the we want the money to go here. Like but Peapod the the delivery. Tree. Yeah. Oh, that's which so makes cool. sense because yeah. I mean they table at our yeah. events and yeah. you know it makes sense for them to get the word out to people with disabilities that, that the this service is a service, available. right? Yeah. So we have that, but um, it started six years ago at the Jewish Film Festival when Real Abilities National started reaching out to cities and saying we want to sort of branch this festival out so it's been going on for six years i've been festival directing for two and so the jewish film festival has been putting it on for six years now so it started um it started pretty small and then it's just grown and then it's sort of you know it's just evolving to where it is now but i think it's definitely getting on you know more on people's radars you know within within without the disability community let me ask this question, and I I like to ask this of every film festival, even though I know the answer, but sometimes people are curious. Why do you have this at multiple venues and not just, like, pick one place that you like and have all of the films there? That's a really good question. I, I don't know. That is how they do it in New York, and so it's really interesting to see that model. They have it in the JCC Manhattan, which is... Beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been there, I'm, but gorgeous. Yeah, gorgeous. No, but I'm I'm, I'm imagining in my head it looks like Versailles. So <laughs> it's a Jewish so Versailles. Close. Yeah. A Jewish Versailles, I should say. It's it's a beautiful building, and I get that that's a central location, but I, I don't think there is a location that I could think of at the top of my head that we could have it and for have it have it for as long as we do, because most a lot of the host cities will do a four or five day 
thing. And we're, we're spread out over 10 days all over the city. And it's, I really like being able to partner with all these different organizations. It's really, cause it just brings in like a really different audience for each screening, which is super cool to me. Um, so sort of being spread out all over greater Boston. I mean, it makes it a very interesting thing to try and juggle to be sort of, to make sure every, every venue is doing what they need to do. But yeah, no, it's definitely a way to do it. And and we need to make sure that wherever we are is extremely accessible. I was going to say, Boston's a quirky city in terms of how you get around and where you can park or not park or where's public transportation available. Right. So I feel like this makes sense for the way Boston is like laid, laid out in general. And right. that there's things in every different kind of neighborhood and in the suburbs and in the city and for people of different, like different locations, like we kind of joke all the time. You don't like crossing the river if you're right. in Brookline. Like, exactly. I don't want to go to Cambridge. I that's live in Brooklyn. I, that's <laughs> how I feel about going to Brookline. Brooklyn. Exactly. Yeah. So you do it for your friends and for good film festivals, yes. but it's right. hard. Right. Or beer. Or beer. beer. Good beer. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a personal question, but like, yeah. do, you, do you have a, like a favorite venue in town? A favorite film? Like a film viewing location? I I love the Museum of Science just because I grew up in Boston and it's you cool. know it just like feels like so familiar for me to go there and it's just a, such a cool venue. Um, I I also love screening at the MFA. Those screenings are always um, really incredible and it's just so cool to be able to like snake through the museum. And if you I don't know if people know this, but if you're going to a film screening there, you're, you're in. You know, so you can. And since our film screenings are free. You're in the museum for the day for free, which is really cool. So those are the two. I mean, those are obviously really beautiful venues. But we try. I mean, every year is sort of like, you know, we try. We'll partner somewhere new and see if it works out. Um, We're always up for new partnerships. I'd love to screen at the new um, Leslie building the new art center. So yeah. I, like I'm, I'm always approaching people to see if they want to do stuff. It would be cool to be in more colleges. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then Somerville is always fun to have our closing night there. Cause it feels, it's just cool to be in it's a, a cool theater. theater. Yeah. And, um, whatever. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do cross the river. At I, oh, I, I do. I do too. Some things are only yeah. at the Somerville theater. I mean, the Coolidge theater, would so. be great too. <laughs> I mean, the Coolidge is great cause I can walk to it, but, um, <laughs> have you ever tried to get something in the, uh, the aquarium, no IMAX. Uh, I don't know if they ever actually show anything that's not their things, but I was just curious. I know they it. did one. I know their the Jewish Film Fest did a screening at the IMAX at the museum. And I don't, or, or I don't know if it was Real Abilities or the Jewish Film Festival, but it didn't. It didn't. It, it wasn't. Yeah, like it, I think it was just a bizarre experience. I yeah. don't think it was as like. Well, parking is quite expensive over there, so. Yeah, but I think just I the that. actual visual. Or, yeah. I don't know if there was something that didn't. Didn't well, like click yeah. with that, but it, it is weird seeing a non IMAX movie on IMAX screen because you're just staring at a lot of blank space and like your brain gets confused by it. So yeah, I was just curious. Like that's a venue I see all the, the time. IMAX screens are very large. Is that why? They yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Clearly, they, I don't get. Out they require much. special film. We, yeah, <laughs> we did look at the um, the arts building in Watertown. The I I can't remember. Yeah. I'm blanking on it now. The Arsenal Center for the Arts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool that summer. And I always let for our film fest, it's always nice to just have um, flat flat seating that we can put the seating in that we need and just have like lots and lots of space. So I'm always looking for venues like that. Um, and Emerson is Emerson is great. The Bright Lights Theater. We're doing. We're actually we're screening Aspergers R Us there, which has gotten uh, a, a lot of press. It was picked up by the Duplass Brothers at South by Southwest last year. But that's the local film too. It's um, I don't know if you guys know about it. It's a comedy troupe 
who all have Asperger's and they're from the North Shore. So they put on comedy shows all around Boston, but it's it's oh, a really cool. it's hilarious. Will they be there? They will be there. Awesome. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. I, I might go to that. Yeah. One, I mean, I, I, I trust the the Duplass brothers and, and almost everything. They're they're, <laughs> they're two funny gentlemen, and this just sounds amazing. So. It, it really is, and they it, like inevitably will put on some kind of show if they're together. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, there's only ten movies, so I kind of almost want to talk about all of them. I can. But I like, can. Um, I'm trying to think. So, of the ones we haven't spoken about yet, for someone who may you know be listening to this and be like, "Well, I don't really know, I, I don't know which one to see, other than you know the ones that we've described so far sound mm-hmm. cool." But like, what would be something new and exciting? Not exciting, you know, but different that we could send someone to. That which is possible, which is screening at the MFA, is is pretty cool. It's a it's sort of our mental health film, which. I have noticed that people are really hungry for, for to, to have this conversation be brought up and brought into the light because I just don't feel like it's really been a part of the disability community conversation. And so this screening we did last year that had a mental health topic was completely full. Um, and the panel was great after. But this is a documentary about a place called the Living Museum. And it's in a psychiatric facility in Queens and all of the people who go there are are have have been in the psychiatric institute there and they have you know a lot of them have schizophrenia bipolar and they work all day in this insanely beautiful art studio and make really really amazing stuff and it sort of follows all of them and goes into their backstories which is really cool and we're having a panel from Gateway Arts which is over in Brookline uh, which is an art studio for people with disabilities. So they're going to come and talk about their experience there. So that's a really cool film. Another one um, we're doing at the JCC in Newton is My Hero Brother, which we partnered with the Boston Jewish Film Festival for in January. I think you were there, Jesse. Were you there? Or no, wasn't. No, it was not. That okay. screened then too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, we, um, so we're bringing that back. Every that The response from that was huge, and that's about um, – that's about sibling pairs, one of who has Down syndrome and one who doesn't, and they climb a mountain in the Himalayas. And that's just, that's a really cool film. And it brings up the sibling dynamic, which I don't think people talk about a lot, is sort of the experience of the sibling who doesn't have a disability um, and, their, and their experience in, in that relationship. So, I mean, I think it's interesting, since, since these are all, all 10 are documentaries, it's interesting to take a step back and from a film perspective look at the, all the different ways like people can use documentaries to tell a story I think documentaries documentaries I feel like are on the rise almost like they're getting more exposure yeah. than I feel like they, they did five years or ten years ago because uh, people want what's real yeah, people want yeah. What, yeah and there's, there's much more venues for people to watch documentaries like you know the the Oscar winning um, you know uh, O.J. Simpson documentary that was like 30 parts or however long it was it was an incredibly long one and, and it was it was streaming so like people could watch it whenever and so I guess like at, at, as you were picking these and as you weren't choosing, you know, uh, feature film ones, were you like, I'm okay with all these being documentaries because every documentary is different and everyone can tell a story in a different way? Like, did that, like was that something that you thought about? Yeah, and I mean, I my personal bias is towards document. I love documentaries. And so I think, you know, I can't take that out of the equation. That's just what, that's the storytelling form that I really love. And I, there is different ways. Like the one, one of the films that's really cool is Notes on Blindness because it's not... It doesn't have to be a straightforward documentary. This is actually the the characters are played by actors, 
and they lip sync the recordings of the main character who has lost his vision over a period of years. So it's it's a different it's a different form of storytelling, and it, some could argue it's actually not a documentary because there's actors in it. But it's him. He made audio recordings of um, him progressively losing his vision, and so the actor lip syncs it. And um, I mean, it's we're partnering with the Dockyard on it, so they're considering a documentary. Uh, but yeah, there's a, there's a, there's so many different ways to do it. Really, you don't have you know it doesn't have to be a straightforward. There doesn't have to be a ton of talking heads in it. It can be really verite. It can be it can be so many different things. And that's what I love about it. Um, and I just I just love to see. I love to relate to other people's experiences or really see, you know, learn about what people have gone through. And I think other people are do too. Obviously it's like hugely popular now documentaries. So do it. Do any of these documentaries have the, the picture slowly turning and zooming in effect? Ken Burns. Ken Burns. The Ken Burns effect. <laughs> yes. And these have the Ken Burns effect, which is I think the one thing people who don't know documentaries might know about documentaries. The Ken I Burns don't... effect. I doubt. I'm, I'm, I don't think any of. Yeah, but I love Ken Burns. Yeah, so I, I like Ken I Burns too. For, I can't wait for Vietnam to come out. All yes, over it. Yeah. yes. I, that's the one thing I know about uh, that and Verite. Like are the two documentary things I know. So that's so uh, funny. Yeah, and they don't have to be like they. Some of them are very, very beautiful and artsy, but some of them aren't. And you can tell that they, even Asperger's R.S. Like this, this guy made this film about his friends, and it's not. You know, you're not like this is the most high quality film, but it's hilarious and funny. And he really got to follow all of them. And obviously the Duplass brothers saw that and they weren't like, you know, this isn't like a Warner Herzog film, but this is an incredible funny story that people are going to love. You know, it's on Netflix now. You know, a lot of the films are streaming and on, you know, have been picked up. So cool. one last thing, I think we're wrapping up shortly, but I. So all of these venues across the way, all of these films about inclusion and all the different different abilities, all of the venues you choose are also inclusive and accessible, right? Yes. So all of the, which I think is incredible and obviously is a note to what the whole film festival is about is every venue is wheelchair, like ADA accessible in all those ways. Most, if not all have closed captioning. All have, yeah. All have all closed, open captioning. Open captioning. Open. That's what I meant. Yeah. And then um, are there, what was the other question? Two interpreters. Of, two of them are audio described. Okay. So the notes on blindness and true smile have audio description. Okay. Um, and then at the Rachel is screening, we have cart, which is live captioning. Amazing for people who yeah. So that's and then if people need any accom- accommodations that we don't have, they can call and let us know or email me. So I, truly, anyone yeah. can mm-hmm. come to these I have, and enjoy the films. Mm-hmm. I have two side questions now. Is it? <laughs> Is closed captioning not called closed captioning anymore, or is open caption- captioning something completely different? It's that's a re- yeah, that's what I have a hard time explaining to people. But clo- yeah, it's basically when you turn the captions on. Okay, so, so, it, so instead it, of calling it closed captioning, you call we call it, it open captioning. Yeah, so they're hard coded on the actual film, so we oh, don't need. Okay, we don't even. Yeah, we don't turn them on, and that's and that. And, and open captioning is a little different because. Um, it's it can be more descriptive than just the translation yeah. than just almost reading it'll like say subtitles. Like applause too, right? It'll have right, and if it's a song, they'll actually put the lyrics of the song. Nice, in. yeah. Nice. And like, is it is it not so drastically different from what's happening on the screen? Like with closed captioning, like it's black and white, and you can see that it's not. It, it looks unnatural on top of the screen you're watching. Like, yeah, no, it is. It look it looks like when you're it's. Just like when you're watching a film with subtitles. Okay, okay. So it can be, I mean, that can be distracting for people when you're watching a film in your language, in your 
you know, you're sort of like, I don't know. Yeah. What when, to watch. Obviously, when you're watching a film with subtitles, you, your brain adjusts to that. But when you're watching a film in English and, and with open captioning, right? you know, so I think it's, that, yeah. it's a different ex- I mean, we definitely offer it's a it's an inclusive experience for anyone, whether you have, you know, whether you need the accommodation or not. You know, so and even I was thinking about our closing night film last year, How to Dance in Ohio, and it was, you know, an autism theme. And I invited a lot of groups who have kids with autism in them and they brought them. And it was just interesting to see how people in the audience kind of were able to just sort of like there was kids who were up and running up and down and sort of like, you know, doing different sort of I guess you would call them behaviors during the screening but everyone was just in there together and this is like in it was inclusive in that way too Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of it's a cool it's a cool thing that's very cool and you said live captioning yeah so for cart is when they um actually have a screen and the person types out captioning for people and it's actually for people who have had more recent hearing loss who don't know sign language so okay, otherwise we okay. would have an interpreter. But if someone has had a recent hearing loss and doesn't use sign language to communicate, then we then when someone's up speaking, there's gotcha. live okay, captioning. Okay, I was trying to think how that would be different from right. open captioning. But I, Separate I get from yeah, yeah, for yes. the film, we just leave the open captions. But if someone's up talking, very cool. Live Are captioning. those live captioners like the people – like? Do, is it the same skill set as like the court stenographers where they're using yeah, a special yeah. keyboard? I figured. Uh, you got to type real fast. I mean, like I can type pretty fast. I can't type that. I can't type that. Yeah, fast, it's so. it's like it's wild. Yeah, see. and you can't use like you know uh, talking to Google or Siri because they'll mess it up. Uh, <laughs> right, right, right. Well, very awesome. cool. I was just curious about those two things because like, awesome. those are terms I did not know. I like I like open captioning better than closed captioning because that always did seem weird to me. Like because you can tu- yeah. closed captioning just means yeah, you just, can turn it off. It, it's right. just called captioning. You right. can turn it on or off. Right. You know. Cool. Well, thank you again for thank talking. You. This was great. So the festival starts. March 29th. March 29th. And runs through... April 6th. Yeah, right. Yep. And it's all, it's, all over t- it's all over town. You can... And I wrote this down, so I'll never forget. If you want to... For, for the ones that do... Uh, some cost money, some are free. Uh, for the ones that cost money, you can get them on boston.realabilities.org. And you can check out their event postings and some blog posts and this podcast at jubos.tn slash realabilitiesfilmfest. And you should register for the free ones to yes. make sure you They're get sitting. it. Yeah. Yes. Well, thank you again. This thank you. Thank you so much. I want to thank Mara Bresnahan from the Real Abilities Film Festival. I want to thank Sean Fogel for his amazing music. And, of course, uh, CJP, Combined Jewish Philanthropies, and JewishBoston.com. Uh, just a reminder to please subscribe on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or Stitcher, or iCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you do subscribe on iTunes, please leave us a review and a rating. It really helps people find uh, find out about us. If there's something you want us to talk about, please email us at podcast at jewishboston.com. You know, thanks, thank you, everyone, for listening, and I hope uh, your tomorrow is better than today. Shalom.